Well, good morning. My name is Jared Ott. I'm the executive pastor here. It's great to be here for these two weeks, uh, last week and this week, as uh, our lead pastor Christian is preparing for our next series starting next week. I'm excited. I hope you are as well. Uh, it's going to be a powerful series. But last week, we talked about being connected to the church, which I hope many of you are, feel like this is your church home. This is a family and why it's important to connect with one another. And this week, we, we, we wrap this little series up by talking about being connected to the core. Connected to the core, because we are a church. We all have gifts that we need to use, and we got to function together. And if we don't, it affects us all. I remember thinking about this when I was looking at this this week. I, uh, some of you know, I, I grew up about 40 minutes from here in Phillipsburg, New Jersey, and uh, I, it was a small church, and I remember being connected to that church uh, growing up my whole life. And I remember one Christmas when I was in like fifth or I think sixth grade, my mother signed me up to be part of the brass ensemble. Thanks, Mom. Uh, I had gotten a trumpet. I, was, I played the trumpet when I was uh, a kid. My trumpet, though, was a hand-me-down trumpet, okay? My brother had handed it down to me. He's six years older, my brother, older brother, Matt. And uh, he had gotten the trumpet from somebody else, too. So by the time I got the trumpet, it was in pretty bad shape, right? It was dented. The horn kind of went off to the side. It wasn't really brass anymore. And the second valve, you had to, like, pull up manually every once in a while, which is not the best way to play the trumpet, if you've ever played the trumpet. And I remember my mom signed me up for this Christmas ensemble, and there was, uh, there was a number of uh, trumpeters, there was a trombone, there was a French horn, there was a tuba player, and uh, I remember that the leader was passing out the parts, and I got trumpeter number five, right? I didn't even realize there were five parts to a trumpet piece, but I got trumpeter number five, which means I had about seven notes on this whole thing, right? Which is good, because it gave me time to pull up the second valve uh, in between my notes, right? And I remember playing this piece, I remember practicing, and I remember after a while going, you know what? If I miss a note, it's not that big of a deal, right? And I remember doing this practice one time, the rehearsal, and I missed a note, and the leader stopped everything. He said, no, wait, 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 wait. He said, Jared, you missed your note. I said, what do you mean? He said, I need to hear more from trumpeter number five because that's how it was created to all of us coming together. And that always stuck with me when I thought about the church because all of us need to function together. We all have to play a part, right? It's interesting if you think about the church, because some people, like myself, say, you know, I don't, I don't even bother, right? I'm, I'm not that good at what I do. Or maybe you've had some past stuff and you're kind of dinged up. You don't look the part. You're kind of beaten up. You've been broken. You say, you know what? I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to serve. I can't serve like those folks there. Uh, what if they find about my past? What if they realize that I'm not perfect? Some of us don't even bother because we say, you know, I just don't have time. Why even bother? What happens in the church around the country, and I've been part of many churches, uh, there's what they call the 2080 problem. The 2080 problem is that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's that's true across the board in churches. And the reason is, is that people just feel like they don't even want to get involved in serving because why even bother? What could I offer? I hope this morning you realize that you have a lot to offer, that God created you perfectly and unique 
to get involved. You know, as you go through life, you see churches, you kind of realize that the church has become more of an organism, right? So an organization. An organization is run by paid professionals, right? Who, who will stand up and will lead people and everybody else just kind of watches. That's how churches, a lot of churches are operating today. People just sit and watch and watch the paid professionals do their thing. We are in a community, in a world, in a culture where we just sit and watch things, don't we? We like to go to games. We like to go to shows. We like to just sit and watch, right? And I hope today you realize that God wants you to get involved because he's made you so unique. You know, I was watching something on, uh, it was about sports and health, and they were talking about how college athletics, how that's, that's helping people uh, strive to be in college and want to play sports, and how it's really helping young people want to uh, get in shape more. And so they asked a college coach, they said, how does college football contribute to the national physical fitness picture? Nothing, said the coach. Why not, said the interviewer. Well, said the coach, as I see it, there's 22 men down on the field desperately needing a rest and 40,000 people in the stands desperately needing some exercise, right? (laughs) We sit and watch because the church has become an organization. But what you have to realize is that when you look at the gospel and you look at throughout the Bible, the church was always meant to be an organism. An organism is moving and growing and all parts are working together. You're gonna to see in a few moments how the church is like a body. It's not an organ, organization, it's an organism. It's kind of like the idea, the difference between you and your car, right? Your car has a steel str- uh, uh, structure, it's got tires, it's got moving parts, and it does, carries out a function, but it's not alive. The car, maybe someday, will be able to respond on its own to you, right? Come get me, right, right now. But right now, it's just an organization. A church is alive. We could see this because throughout the scriptures, it always talks about the church being some kind of organism that's alive, in other words, throughout, throughout the Bible, we're, we see that the picture is, is seen as a body. It's also called the bride of Christ, right? It's talks, the, in the Bible, it talks about we are the vine, right? Or he's the vine and we are the branches. In other words, we got to be connected to the vine. It says in, uh, throughout the scriptures that, that we are a, a flock, right? That he's the shepherd, we are the sheep. Time and time again, it talks throughout the Bible how the church is alive. And I hope you can see that. That we all got to work together. All the parts working together. We are, we have to be connected to the core. We have to be connected to the core. And there's three reasons why. First off, we see we got to be connected to the core of the church because we are unified through our church. We're unified through our church. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 speaks volumes about how we are to function as a church. It says, just as a body, in verse 12, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. Isn't that great to know that we're a body all functioning together? 
I've had the opportunity over the last few weeks to sit down with many of you, and you've talked about how this church has impacted you. We see from this video how folks that get involved in serving, how it's affected their life. Isn't it great to know that we've all been affected, but we're all unified through our church? We're unified through the church. There are churches all across this country right now that are meeting together, that are worshiping together. You know what? We're, we're unified through them. That's why Ephesians 4, verse 4 says, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Isn't that great? to know that we gotta be connected to the core because we're unified through the church. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. This is our family. We are the sheep, the Lord is the shepherd. Not only are we unified through our church, but we're diversified in our abilities. This is what I love to talk about. We're diversified in our abilities. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 goes on to say this. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Isn't it great that we all have different gifts and abilities? We often get jealous of other people's gifts too, don't we? When, when I look at Dave, I, I think, man, I would love to do that. I ask Dave all the time if I can sing a solo here on Sunday mornings. And he, he constantly tells me that, no, Jared, you sound like a dying moose when you sing. It hurts my feelings, but he's being kind, right? I don't get jealous of Dave and his gifts. I do not get jealous of Christian and his amazing gifts. When I see the folks on the screen and talking about their, their abilities with youth ministry and kids ministry, I'm not jealous. I'm so grateful to be part of folks that have that abilities to do that, the gifts to do that. Some people have amazing gifts with students. Some people have amazing gifts with kids, right? You love kids. You want to see them grow. I have two kids. I love kids. But when I walk through the children's ministry downstairs, I walk as fast as humanly possible, right? Because kids are crying and screaming, and I just panic, right? But some of you have such great gifts with that. Some of you have gifts to be able to greet. Some of you have gifts and passions for prayer. Some of you have passions and abilities, like we just heard about making meals for people. You would not want me making a meal for you. Absolutely not. Some of you have gifts and abilities to do that. We are diversified in our abilities. One of my verses that I love to talk about, it's really my life verse. It really comes from Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1 and 2, it says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I love that verse. It's my life verse. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's four words in that, four words that'll change your life forever. Marked out for us. You need to understand that. Because if that said, let us run the race, then we'd all be in competition with one another, wouldn't we? 
We would all be trying to run the race and trying to look good and do things, and we would all be in competition with one another, wouldn't we? We would always be comparing ourselves to somebody else, right? The, the Bible's saying, no, it's, it's marked out for you. My race is not Dave's race. My race is not Christian's race. My race is not your race. Your race isn't my race. I'm not running against you. I'm running against myself. It's my race. I, uh, I, I had a professor once in my doctoral work who wrote a book about running, and he talked about how when you're running with perseverance, one of the things you don't want to do, there's a couple of things you don't want to do, but one of them is you don't, when you're running a race, especially a marathon, which he did a lot, he said, you don't stare at the person next to you. He said, you'll get so tired and trying to keep up with them if you're running a marathon by watching them, right? You don't watch them. You keep your eyes focused forward. Because your race, God designed you perfectly and unique to, to do things within the church, to be part of this church. He's given you gifts and abilities that are yours, not mine. And when we start to compare ourselves, we get kind of down, right? We say, well, I can't do what Dave does. I can never do what Christian does. I could never do what Jared does. I could never do what this person does. I could never do what they're doing with the youth ministry. I could never do that. And we get so frustrated and we say, you know what? I don't even want to bother. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Don't look at anybody else. There was a little boy named Adam. Adam wanted to be like his friend Bobby. Adam loved the way Bobby walked and talked. Bobby wanted to be like Charlie. Something about Charlie's stride intrigued him. Charlie, on the other hand, was impressed with Danny. Charlie wanted to look and sound just like Danny. Danny, of all things, had a hero as well. He wanted to be just like Adam. So Adam was imitating Bobby, who was imitating Charlie, who was imitating Danny, who was imitating Adam. Turns out all Adam had to do was be himself, right? We look at people and we say, man, they've done so much in life. They're so gifted. They're so passionate. I could never do what they do. And what the Bible says to us is, listen, you are diversified in your abilities. Each one of you has a gift. Each one of you is designed uniquely. A race marked down for you. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you know what your race is? Some people say, I, you know, Jared, I, I know I have gifts and abilities. Those aren't accidents, right? Some people tell me as I sit down with them, and I've, I sat down with a lot of people over the years as I've, as I've met with them in, in counseling or in, in church work, and they'll say, you know, I've got passions. And I say, that's good. Those are not accidents. You do not have passions that are accidents. God put those in you, and he's given you gifts and abilities to use them. Some people ask the question, well, where do I fit? Where, where would I fit into the church. If the church is an organism and I'm in this and I'm diversified in my abilities and God's given me a race, where do I fit? And here's where you fit. It's where your gifts and where your passions collide. It's where your gifts and your passions collide. In other words, you may have a passion for worship. I love worship. But my gifts are not to sing, right? Dave knows that. I've tried over and over again. Some of you may have a passion for, for, for kids. You love kids, but you have no patience at all. Where do your gifts and passions align? Some of you, though, have wonderful, wonderful passion for kids, and you have such patience with them. Some of you have a passion for students, and you're able to let down your guard with them. Those are gifts. 
Some of you have a passion for prayer and you love people. That's where you get involved. Say, I'm gonna be part of the prayer ministry. Some of you have a passion for people and your, your gifts are so outgoing. You can meet people like that. I've, I've had the opportunity to meet some of you already. And it, it's like, I, I feel like you've already known me for years. Gifts and passions collide. Ushers and greeters, info center pe- folks. Those were our gifts and passions collide. Some of you have a passion for those that are going through hurting divorce care or grief share. You have passions for that, but you have gifts to come alongside and help them through that process. That's where you get involved. You say, well, how would I do that? We have right there on your seats, there's this serve card. I want you to consider filling this out. Saying, you know what? I really want to get involved. Maybe it's with Ren Kids or students or First Impressions or the cafe. Maybe you're really good with production or you're really good with facilities or the Ren Cares or prayer team or, or celebrations or, or you say, you know what? I, I have a passion. I, have a, I love being hospitable. I know some of you are great with hospitality. You say, you know what? I really love to host a group. Some of you have gifts of leadership. You say, you know, I wanna, I wanna lead a group someday. We want you to fill this out and say, you know what? I wanna be part of that. And you can just turn it right in at the, at the, uh, the gift boxes in the back, the giving boxes as you leave. But understand that that's where your passions are, where your gifts, because we are diversified in our abilities. I hope you find it, because once you do, there's so much joy, just like we've seen, so much joy. And God's not looking for people that are perfect. He's not looking for people that have no dings or no scratches or haven't been through stuff. No, he's looking for people like you and me. Normal, everyday people, they say, you know what? I've got a race for you. I've given you gifts. We're unified through the church. We're diversified in our abilities. And here's the key. We're gifted by one Lord. You are gifted by the Lord. It's not your own gifts. These are the gifts that the Lord gives you. He empowers you. That's why verse 18 of 1 Corinthians goes on to say, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. For if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, one body. God placed them exactly where he wanted them to be. He put you exactly here this morning because he wants you to be here. He's put you in that a home where you are at with your spouse or your children because he knows that that's exactly where you need to be. He's putting a passion on your heart for prayer or for first impressions or for students because he knows exactly that's where you need to be. You have gifts to use. I... One of the joys of my life is finding folks that have gifts and passions and connecting them with serving ministries of the church. Not because we're trying to eliminate our work, it's because I know that there's true joy there. I know my gifts are totally administrative. I love doing the detail work. I love working alongside Christian whose gifts and passions are vision and leadership who will tell me straightforward, Jared, my gifts are not in detail or administration, right? I love that. I love saying that's wonderful because I know it's my race. It's not his race. Let me encourage you. You've got gifts. God wants you to use them. And you've got powerful gifts. One of the things I want to close with is Matthew 25, you know, there is a story in the Bible. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's a parable that Jesus tells, a parable 
There's a story that has significance, and this story has significance when it comes to serving. It's the parable of the talents. If you remember the parable, if you're familiar with the parable, there's a, there's a, a man who gives his servants, three different servants, three different talents. One servant, and talent was a form of money. One servant he gives five talents to. One servant he gives two talents to. One servant he gives one talent to. And he says, go and use those talents. And they all go, and the one with five doubles it, and he comes back with 10. The one with two doubles it and comes back with four. The one with one is afraid to do anything with it because he doesn't think he has enough, so he just buries it in the ground, okay? Three different, three different people, three different forms of money. And in Matthew 25, when he comes all back in, he he looks at the first one, the one that gained five more and had 10. He says in Matthew 25, 21, the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You say, well, that's a good story. It's about using talents. Yeah, it is. Some people have asked me the question, how much is a talent? How much is a talent? Some people, some, somebody once said to me, he's like, oh yeah, God gives five talents and skills. He's not skills, this is money, okay? Five talent isn't five cents. Two talents isn't two cents. A talent is a form of money. We could figure out what a talent is through some, some work throughout the scriptures. Okay? We could figure out what a talent is. A talent was, in Exodus 38, is, is close to 6,000 to 10,000 denarii. Okay, stay with me. Okay, 6,000 to 10,000 denarii, depending on how the weight, right? We know that in Matthew 20, that a hard labor's wage was one denarii. So one denarii is one day's wage, okay? So if you make $100,000 a year, that means you make about $261 a day, okay? A denarii. Now, if it's 6,000 to 10,000 denarii, you take that 261 and you multiply it by either six or 10,000. Let's say it's 10,000. That's $2.6 million. This is just one talent. This isn't a a five cent or a two cent or one cent gift. It's a multi-million dollar gift. What the master is giving the people is a multi-million dollar gift. When the Lord looks at you, he doesn't look at uh, uh, somebody that has five cents or two cents, somebody that that can't give a whole lot. He's looking at you and he's saying, you've got multi-million dollars. You're a huge investment. I want you to use it. This isn't isn't small change. This is somebody, the Lord is looking at you and saying, you know what? You've been through some tough stuff. I know you've gotten dinged up. I know you don't look the part, but boy, I wanna, I've given you so many gifts. You're such a huge investment. I just want you to use it. I love what he says to, to both servants. The one with five and one with two. You see, people will say, you know what, I'm not, uh, I'm not a great evangelist. I can't go fill stadiums up. The only thing I can do is, 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 
go and serve the homeless. I'll never be known, so I don't even bother. But what you have to see is what he says to the five servant is the same thing he says to the, the, the one with two. He says the exact same thing. No omission of words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful to few. I'll make you ruler over many things. The same honor is given to the two-talent servant who faithfully pours cups of water for the homeless as he does the five-talent evangelist who fills the stadium. He doesn't, he's not looking for uh, results of how many people that you've affected. He's looking for you to use your gift. He wants at the end of your life for, you, for him to look at you in the face and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm gonna give you many things to be in charge of. When you look at your life, the question is, is, are you serving? Are you using the gifts God's giving you so that at the end of your life, you can look at, he can look you in the face and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've used your gifts and your passions together. And I love that about you. I hope for me is that at the end of my life, he's gonna say, you know, Jared, you, you served me well. Well done, good and faithful servant. I hope the same for you. I hope you feel that. And it's not about how good you are or what you've done. He wants to use everyday ordinary people just like you and me and pour his gifts, his supernatural gifts into you to make us supernatural. Are you willing to be used by the Lord this morning? You know, in a few minutes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask the band to come. And then we're gonna sing a great song about for the sake of the world. Why? Because there's a world around us that needs us. There's students that need us. There's people that are coming into our church that need just a, a smile, just someone to say welcome. He's not looking for people with extraordinary gifts or people that have been so amazing in the past. He's looking for people to say, you know what? I don't have a whole lot. Maybe I can't do much. What I can do is use my gifts. I hope that's you this morning. I hope you feel that this morning. You know, I had read a poem one time that I thought was fitting for today. Now, I had shared this in another church, and people say, well, Jared loves poems, so they send me poetry. Do not send me poetry, okay? <laughs> if you do, send it to christianandrews at renchurch.com. But I thought this poem was fitting for us here today. Because it reminds us that he's not looking for people that have extraordinary talents, that have been led a great life or have never made a mistake. He's looking for people like you and me that, can, that he simply can use for his glory. It's called Searching for a Vessel. It says this. It says, the master was searching for a vessel to use. On the shelf, there were many. Which one would I choose? Take me, cried the the gold one, I'm shiny and bright, I'm of great value, and I do things just right. My beauty and luster will outshine the rest, and for someone like you, master, gold would be the best. Unheeding, the master passed on to the brass. It was wide mouth and shallow, polished like glass. Here, here, cried the vessel, I know I will do. Place me on your table for all men to view. Look at me, called the goblet of crystal so clear. My transparency shows my contents so dear. Though fragile am I, I will serve you with pride. I'm sure I'll be happy your house to abide. The master came next to a vessel of wood, polished and carved, it solidly stood. You may use me, dear master, the wooden bowl said, but I'd rather you use me for fruit and not bread. 
Then the master looked down and saw a vessel of clay. Empty and broken, it helplessly lay. No hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and make whole, to fill and to use. Ah, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I will mend it and use it and make it all mine. I need not the vessel with pride of itself, nor the one who is narrow to sit on the shelf, nor the one who is big-mouthed and shallow and loud, nor the one who displays his content so proud, not the one who thinks he can do all things just right, but this plain earthly vessel filled with my power and might. Then gently he lifted the vessel of clay, mended and cleansed it, and filled it that day. Spoke to it kindly. There's work you must do. Just pour out to others as I pour into you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the fact that you've given us all gifts to use. And we aren't, because of our past, unable to, to do great things, Lord. You just want to use us. Some of us have such great gifts, Lord. Some great gifts for people. Help us to use them. Some of us have unimaginable wealth to use, Lord, and we use that as well to further your kingdom. Help us to be used by you. Some of us have very little. We don't think we're of much value, Lord. Help us to feel that we are a multi-million dollar investment here. That you love us, that you've gifted us. Help us to feel that this morning. No guilt from the past, no pain. Help us to not feel like we aren't of any value because, Lord, when you look at us, you see great value. We thank you for that. Use us mightily. Help us be bold and courageous. And I ask all this in your precious and holy name.